Welcome to my podcast, where you can listen to interviews, sermons, and much more. Cristo Urbano, the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cristo Urbano, the show. Uh, I'm very happy, very excited to have my brother, Matt McLean, joining me this time. How you doing, Matt? Hey, man. Good to see you. I miss you. <laughs> it's good to have you here, man. Uh, haven't seen you in a couple of years. It's been, it's been what, three years? I know. Four? It's been uh, about two. It'll be, yeah, it'll be two in a couple of weeks. So I was down there two years ago. Two so, years. Yeah, it's, just, it's been two. Two years. Yeah. Well, I, had to, I had to think a little bit. I, I was going back in my mind. And I was like, no, we, we were there in 18. Hmm. Uh, Matt McLean is a good friend of mine. Uh, Matt is now, used to be a youth pastor at Southside uh, Christian Church in Springfield, Illinois. And now he's uh, one of the pastors yep. in Bloomington, uh, at a church there in Bloomington. Um, it's good to have you here, man. Um, we, we know we met, we go from what, uh, 2011, 2010, when was the last, first time yeah. they got to Dominican? 2011. Yeah, so I came down and uh, with your friend Drew, our, our friend Drew Moore. Yes. Uh, and. Drew is in Las that Vegas the, now, that right? Was the first time I met you. He's in Las Vegas, man. Yeah, I miss that guy. You should, you should get him on this too. I know. I gotta, I gotta send Drew a, a little message. I haven't talked to Drew, man, in a long time. I miss that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad Drew uh, convinced you to come in that trip, man, uh, because you know you came down. And it was, it was great, you know, like we connected, it was a good friendship from day one. Uh, you start bringing down your youth group, you hang out with my youth group. Uh, you, you broke some fingers of my kids playing uh, flag football, you know. Uh, it, it, it's, it's been Fernando. a good relationship, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, how is Ang how is and the kids, how, how's the family? Yeah, we're all good. I mean, I know that you guys, you know, went through the quarantine stuff and we're, we're just coming out of that here in the States, at least in Illinois, like we just kind of moved into a new, new phase. And uh, so they've been out of school since uh, March, uh, which has been tough. You know, they, they, they had to do like school at home and that was tough, but uh, we're all doing well, man. Like Anne's doing great. She's awesome. You know that. Just like Lene, you know, we got, we've been lucky to, to be married to some really great people. Um, and so she's great. The kids are great. So um, not as, uh, not as cool as Troy, you know, but um, they try. So. <laughs> how, how has your church dealt with, with the whole quarantine, the whole virus thing? How, how have you guys adjusted to new life with, COVID-19? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's been hard. We, we, we've gone, we're all online. Um, so we've, we've done that since the beginning. So March, 
I think like March 15th was the first week we did just online. Uh, and we've continued with that. Uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to change. Um, student ministry has been hard because, you know, you can't connect with students. So you're doing stuff online. Um, we did something this last month, though, like with students where uh, we would have them sign up and like for a time and um, some pastors would go over to their homes uh, with lawn chairs and just uh, <laughs> sit in their front yard and um, six feet apart and just kind of have a, a lawn chair conversation. As you know, like sitting outside with people in a lawn chair, there's just something that always brings up a conversation when you do things like that. And with the weather getting nicer, we, we just decided to do these things called lawn chair moments uh, where it was super, uh, super chill. Uh, but it just gave us a chance to see a lot of our students and uh, get to see how they're doing, which was, which was good. So um, we're trying to be creative and, and do all that, but it's still hard, you know, as there's limitations to what we can do. Are you guys back in the building now? Well, staff is like, we went back to our offices, but we're not like uh, having people come in yet. So we're not officially like open. Yet. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of process. Man, what about, we, what about you guys? What do you we, we, well, we started, we had a service. We had a service two weeks ago, but you know, the cases are okay. kind of going up. So we're, we keep doing things online, you know, just like you say, since day one of, of the quarantine, we've been doing our services online. And the good thing that has come out of this, man, is that we never did anything online before. And now we're reaching a lot more people that we didn't reach mm -hmm. before. So, um, you know, right now we're just getting small groups going, uh, you know, like Zoom, Bible studies and things like that. But things things have been good just different but good you know uh something that 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 our audience need to know about you man is that you love your youth group you know you you're a guy that mm -hmm. that give your your heart and soul to the kids that you work with um and for many years mm -hmm. i got to see that when you brought youth groups to the dominican with go ministries um, the kids will go back home with uh, a great experience and, you know, everything was good, but everything starts with the leadership. Uh, what was your favorite thing about bringing kids to the Dominican mission trips? Like, you know, a question that I like to ask to friends like you, man, it's like, what kept you coming back to the Dominican all those years? Yeah, that's really good. I think the thing that kept us coming back was that they wanted to go back. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where I've done a lot of missions trips and uh, there's times where it's like, yeah, you know what? We just don't want to go back there. And they, our students were able to connect so well with the teenagers at Central that when they came back, uh, it just felt like family, uh, honestly. Like, um, I remember one of the last years we were going to come down and the way the schedule looked, it was like we were going to be out, 
I, you know, I, I feel like we were going to be out on the outside of town. And Lene was like, reached out to me and she's like, Hey, this is the schedule. It's like, you know, that would be great if we could stay at central because I think that our students feel a personal connection with the, with the youth group there. And I'm so glad that that would happen because like those personal connections, you know, one of those things that like language barriers, it doesn't matter. You know, all there is is care and Jesus and um, relationship. And if you have that continually, then that's, that's that mutual partnership that you hear about so often with, with go. So. Hmm. Something that, something that a lot of, a lot of listeners uh, wonder is like, how is the life of a youth minister? Uh, you've been, you've been a youth minister, man, for, mm. for a long time. How many years now? Um, 18 years. 18. Oof. Something that, I'm, I'm, that, that. No, man, I'm, I'm. What you say? I said I'm old. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but. You know, you said it. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but something, you know, that something that 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 people sometimes don't understand about youth pastors, senior pastors, is uh, the the challenges that you guys go through. Like when there is a move from a state to another state, to a city to city. How challenging has been that move for you guys? you know, moving from one city to another for this new ministry that you guys are working at now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Because uh, this is my fourth different church. So, like, you know, I've seen this happen a few times. And I <clears throat> honestly, like, I really think it, it takes time <laughs> for a teenager to trust you, you know? Um it's, it's different for like when you get into like ages like Troy or like my kids with Rylan, you know, I mean, they're not the same age, but I'll use the two of them as an example with Troy and Rylan. Um, I, I guess that's kind of weird because they're the firstborn. So does that mean we're, we're leaving out the others? Um, I feel bad about that. Um, <laughs> but like with them, it's easy for them to trust somebody, you know, like uh, to know that, um, somebody is, is coming into their lives. I feel like it's easier for them to trust somebody, but when you get into like being 14, 15, 18, um, new people come into your life and it's going to be harder for them to, to believe you, to trust you, to know that you're there. Um, and I think that that's the hardest part about transitioning from one place to another is if you walk in, you know, if there are young youth pastors watching this right now, young people watching this right now, if you walk in expecting you to just walk in and then to just be like, Oh, you're awesome. You, I love you. You're great. You're great. Then, then you're going to be really disappointed. Uh, because one, I think that's kind of arrogant, you know, it's hard. Uh, and two, it just takes time. Like relationships take time. Uh, you and I are much better friends than we were in 2013. Right. You know, like, seven years of, of, of knowing each other, uh, things take time to, to process and work through. So I think that that's the hardest part of like transitioning from one place to another. And, you know, you, you guys have some great things going on with church planning and it's, you know, when a, a, a church planner goes into a community, 
and starts a church, you know, it takes time for relationships to be built. So it's the same kind of concept, you know, like just understanding that it's a process and don't get frustrated if the first six months don't work out the way that you thought they would, you know, it just, relationships take time. Trust takes time. So that, that's my thought on that. And, and I think like, you know, part, part of the reason why I do this podcast is that I want to learn and I want to educate. So when I say I want to educate, educate is there are people out there that are thinking about, man, what, what would it be like to take a trip to a mission trip? Just listening to you talking about it, you know, they get an idea. You know, like, what would it be like for me to move to a different place? You know, like, that's why I like to invite guys with experience in the area that I can learn things and people that are listening at home can learn, you know, uh, from the mistakes from the past, from the experiences that you have gained in the past. You know, we can all learn. Uh, one thing that I want to ask, Matt, thinking about what you were saying, is like, um, what will be a few practices? that you will suggest, that you will recommend to a youth minister that came into a new church and is trying to gain the trust to, of those kids? What, what, three things that you, yeah. that you say, you should do this, this, that, to get to that place. Yeah. So somebody told me this once and I thought it was really good, uh, is that if you, walk into a, a room as a new pastor and you sit there and you say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. And you get all these ideas and you just throw it out there. Everybody in that room is going to look at you like, who, who are you? You know, like we don't, we don't even know who you are. So why should we believe what you think? And so what I've tried to do is walk into a situation and just say, hey, this is who I am. You know, I, I wanna to be totally transparent. I wanna to get to know you as people. I wanna to get to know your church. I wanna to get to know your city. Um, and then when you start asking me like, cause a lot of people will walk up and be like, hey, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And just be like, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit, but how about we get to know each other first? Because they won't trust the plan until they know the person. Uh, and, and so I just think that walking into a city, walking into a situation is, is really important if they get to know you first as who you are. Is that, I, don't know if that may, I don't know if that's helpful or not. That is awesome, man. They won't, they won't follow the plan until they know the person. That's... You can apply that yeah. to every area of life, my friend. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's oh, reality. Sure. That's reality. Uh, I think it was, I yeah. think it was three, four years ago, Matt. Um, you came to the Dominican with a different mindset. CrossFit mm. has crossed your life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. took me to the gym. We went to the gym. And for me, you know, like, I, I don't have the time that I used to before to like be involved in sports and stay active. So I got to find other ways, other ways, other outlets to stay healthy and stuff. And 
you know, I, I'm glad I have friends like you that encourage me in that area to like, okay, what are you doing to stay active? Um, you know, to keep our mm -hmm. spirit strong, but also like, what are you doing to keep your body active? And, and you were a good teacher, a good example for me, man. Um, what, something that I wanted to ask you is like, how did CrossFit change your mindset? Like, how did CrossFit, doing CrossFit, um, you know, help you um, get stress out of the way? I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it. You know, like, we as pastors, we had to deal with a lot of things. So, like, going to the gym, man, and just spending mm -hmm. half hour, an hour, it's just refreshing. Like, how is that for you? How did it affect you? Yeah, that's really good. You, you know, like, I would say anything that you can do to help, you know, like give you a, um, an outlet is, is important. And the, the thing about CrossFit for me was that it put me in a community of people that I cared about. And it also gave me like an outlet to be able to, to do things physically that I needed. Um, and it's just really important. I, I needed that at the stage of life that I was in. Like I needed that outlet and I needed those people. And the cool thing too, like when you get in the gym and you know this, like you're probably going to cross paths with a lot of people who don't know Jesus. Um, and if you're around people who are doing that, you guys start to understand each other and it opens up the door for conversations. Um, and, and I just think that that's important. Uh, I'm in a weird place right now, man, where, you know, I know you know this, but I had surgery in February and <clears throat> like I had, I had back surgery and right now I'm not able to be active really at all. Like I'm not able to do anything. And it's been really hard because I remember the importance of having fitness and an outlet like that in my life. And I don't have that right now. And it's, it's hard, but so it's made me miss it, but it's also made me see the importance. And I know you went through some of that when you had your surgery, um, when you had your knee surgery. Like when you, when something is is taken away from you and there's nothing you can do about it, you know, it's just really, really hard. But it also helps you to remember and get excited about jumping into it again. You know. When do you think you're gonna be able to jump back in in it? Well. I don't know. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm taking it slow. They said it'll be, they said it'll be at least a year before I'm, I'm feeling normal again. They, you said it was like two years for your knee surgery, right? To feel like your knee was strong enough. Or me just say a year. I a forget. year, a year for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they've told me. But it was, it was, it was definitely difficult just, just because, you know, I'm, I'm used to being active all the time and all of a sudden, like, you know, I got to the point where uh, there were things that I need to carry in my house and my wife was pregnant at the time. So, like, if I had a friend that came over to my house, I'm like, hey, will you lift this for me, please? You know, like, <laughs> it was a humbling, a humbling time, too, you know, but I'm glad that... Yeah. that I survived that process and my knees better now. Uh, but yeah, man, I remember, I remember one of those times that we went to the gym. I was like, man, 
this guy is a beast, you know, like these guys hitting those weights. Like, I hope you don't die from it, bro. You know, like, I'm glad you're alive. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember, um, so in the CrossFit gym, you know, you can drop the weights. Yes. And nobody cares. <laughs> we were in the gym and I, I had the weights above me and I just dropped them and everybody looked over and here's this gringo dropping weights and you come over and you're like hey man we, we don't do that you can't do that <laughs> the the whole building was, was gonna so collapse the whole yeah. building was gonna collapse <laughs> another thing Matt um you know that as pastors sometimes we tend to give everybody our best and our family gets the leftovers. You know, I was very convicted with that mm. uh, uh, a couple months ago. And I was like, you know what? I got to I gotta, uh, put my family first. You know, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you balance family and ministry? Because, you know, something that I heard from a friend of mine was that, like, sometimes as pastors, we want to do things for God. But God wants us to be do things with God, <laughs> you know, like, and sometimes we, we, we leave the family behind. And then like, when we get home, we're just tired. We don't want to talk to anybody. How do you balance family and ministry? Yeah. <clears throat> well, like Ann and I, we had, we went through like two and a half years of counseling uh, because I was heading down a path that was not healthy with that um and she was she was seeing that she knew that i was starting to see it knew that and at that point we only had one we had one one kid and another one on the way and i was just really really worried about it and so we started seeing a counselor and um, one of the things he said and i i'd never thought about this was sometimes our life is out of whack um and we almost put ministry and our job as number one, even over God and even over ourselves. And so what he said was the number one priority in your life is your relationship with God. He's like, you know, that as a Christian, that should be number one. You, you should understand that even though maybe you don't do it, that should be number one. Number two should be taking care of yourself. And I was like, hold up, hold up. Like, no, number two can't be about me like me I should be number five you know like down at the bottom and he's like no because if you're not taking care of yourself then you're not healthy enough to take care of anybody else and I was like oh that's that's good that's interesting he's like so number three should be your marriage so if your relationship with God is good your relationship with you is good then your relationship with your marriage is going to be good. It's almost like a waterfall, man. If you think about it like that, you know, and he's like, and then it should be your kids. And a lot of times he said, parents put their kids above their marriage. And what they don't realize is that one day their kids are going to move out and the, the parents are going to look at each other and they're like, we don't know how to be married. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and then, you know, marriages are not healthy. Uh, so he's like, number four should be your kids. And then number five should be everything else. Like if you get one through four healthy, 
then everything else will be okay too. And I was like, man, that's, that's a tough way to look at things. But I realize in my life when, when like Anne and I are not in a good place, it's probably because I'm not in a good place with Jesus and I'm probably not in a good place with myself. And then like, if I think like about work, if I'm like, if I'm working too much and my kids like just get the scraps of me, like you said, you know, like, oh, I'm so tired. Like when I come home, then they see me valuing ministry over them. And that's not good. Yeah. Um, so I've just been trying to live by the, the, the thought of like, okay, me and Jesus need to be good. Me and myself need to be healthy. And then everything else will fall in the line from there. Um, that's really good, man. I never heard that one before, but that biblically, you know, biblically that makes a lot of sense because you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. So to love your neighbor, you have to love yourself. And to love when you love yourself, you take care True. of yourself. You know, so that that completely yeah. makes sense there. I, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, that's that's true. And 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 you know, for we 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 talk about like things like uh when something is off, we we look at okay, what is it off? Like uh like even with me yeah. and Lene, like the, the times where I'm not uh, working out, doing any kind of workout, or I'm not reading my Bible, doing my devo, like it shows in our marriage. You know, just when I stop doing little things oh, like oh. that. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. It, That's crazy. It does. And I think a lot of people might look at that. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of people might look at that what? And, and think it's selfish. Yeah. You no, know, and be like, oh, quit, you know, <clears throat> quit being selfish. But if you do it in a way that's healthy, then it's not selfish. It's for the greater good, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just think looking at it like that's important. And, and, and I'm glad that we're talking about this, bro, because um, something that a lot of ministers, that I see that fail in ministry is because of their lack of transparency. You know, like when, yeah. when, when, when Jesus, we're supposed to be like Jesus, to follow Jesus. And when Jesus, uh, Jesus t teaches us, you know, like he has a wound in his hands from the cross. And when Thomas was doubting him, mm -hmm. you know, he was showing Thomas his wounds, his scars, like, hey, come, come look, check this out, it's me. But even though Jesus did that, yeah. we, we tend to hide our scars, hide our wounds. And because we are leaders, we tend to, you know, show the world that there is like, we're perfect. We don't have any problems. And that's not the reality. You know, people cannot connect with people that are not transparent. So. I'm glad that you are one of those leaders, bro, that is transparent. And when kids look up to, to leaders like that, they know that they can, they have somebody they can rely on. Because it's somebody just like them that makes <laughs> mistakes, that is learning every day, you know? Um, 
when 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 do you guys think that you guys are gonna open up your church again for the public? Do you guys have a date yet or no? Well, I don't know. With all the you know, with the cases rising different areas, and I mean, it it might be September, it might be October. I'm not sure. Mm. The good thing, man, is that you guys are doing a good job online. <laughs> you know, because like we had to work with with right. what we what we had. Um, one of the one yeah. of the most awesome experiences that I have with you, Matt. Um, was being able to being able to celebrate um, the tenth year of Cristo Urbano Camp. Um, oh, yeah, that was very special that you guys were there for that. Um, how was that experience for you? I know, I know what it was like for me, but how was that for you, man? To um, to come for a couple of years to help us out with Cristo Urbano Camp. And you might have to tell uh, some of our listeners what Cristo Urbano Camp is. But not only to come for a couple of years to help with that, but to come for the 10th anniversary, which was a huge deal for us. How was that experience for you, man? Yeah. Well, you, you get to be a part of something where you know these teenagers come from all over and you know you've you've brought up in the past you know this is one of those situations where and it, that for a few days a student gets to leave their circumstances and stuff behind and come to a location and a camp that is completely focused on Jesus and community you know, and here I think in the States, that's something it's like, oh yeah, well that happens all the time. But to think about it in your context and, and these kids in the Bates and, and all around, you know, that, that come in, it's, it's an amazing opportunity for them. And it's one of those things where honestly, man, like it's, it was a, it was a humbling experience, like for me and the other people at Southside to be able to, to come in and, and be a part of it. You know, it was, it was very much a, an honor to, to be a part of what God had done and what he was doing, you know? And, um, I still just yesterday, like I, I found a, a, a set of some dominoes and I thought about Jose Luis and I, I, I thought about some other friends that I played dominoes with and, you know, you get into those circumstances and, and language barriers are there, but smiles um, outlast that, you know, yeah. and um, hugs and friendship and, and all of that um, outlast any of those barriers. And just feel very fortunate to have had those moments, you know, to be there. We had, we had, you know, like for, for people that don't understand, you know, like you say, there are camps that happen here all the time and kids go to. But for kids in Dominican to go to this camp, yeah. they save money all year long. And it's, it's not because it's an expensive camp, because it's just like 20 bucks uh, for three days. But it's because they're low income. Like they don't have much money. So they save all year to go to this camp. And... You know, something that I was always impressed by was how um, the group from Southside uh, Christian Church 
will come down, man, and they will just rock, you know, like they were so good every year they came. What do you do, man, to prepare their mindset, you know, to have that mindset of being just like, we're here to help? Like, what do you do before they came down? Because this is something very important for people mm -hmm. out there that are mm -hmm. in teams that one day you're thinking about bringing your team not only to the Dominican, but any mission trip that you're doing. The work before you go to that country, you know, preparing your leaders, your kids, is super important because that will determine how good of a work you're going to do once you get to the, to the uh, mission field. So how was that like for you, man? What did you do to make those trips be awesome? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think being real and being very upfront about the experiences that you're about to have, you know, um, because when you go to uh, somewhere like the Dominican and it's one of those things where culturally you're going to experience something different and that's okay. You know, but if you go in with the same mindset of an American, um, then you might struggle a little bit because the American mentality of like, Oh, look at us. We're Americans. Um, that that's just not fair. You know, <laughs> like it's not fair for other countries. It's not okay. And so to prepare somebody for culture uh, changes and cultural awareness and cultural respect is important uh, to prepare them for basic things like, hey, we're not going to be able to drink the water. You know, we're not going to be able to do this and this and this that you might be accustomed to. Um, but on the flip side of that, there are some amazing opportunities that you will have. Like you also have some of the best food you've ever eaten in your life, you know. Um, I would always say that I would gain weight uh, when I'd come down to the DR because of the food. It was amazing. Um, and, and I just think like being honest and open, but going into it. And then also like we, we try to train them for what reentry looks like and helping them to understand like um, it's going to be really hard when you come home because you're going to want to uh, talk about it and people are going to like not understand your experience because you weren't there. Uh, so we always tried to give them a 30 day, you just got home. This is how you kind of reacclimate and also how you process through the experience that you just had uh, because you just, you, you don't return to normal uh, when you have an experience like you have with go. So, yeah. And because of all that preparation, man, uh, over the years, you guys were able to give us some great interns. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for oh, that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you, man, before I let you go, um, you were, you were with hmm. us in how many Crystal Urbano camps, two or three? Uh, two. And then the one year I didn't go. Uh, so just two, two, two camps. Okay. Uh, overall, not only camps, but from all the years that you went to the Dominican in trips, um, what was your favorite experience, man? I know it's a um, tough question because it's probably a lot of different things to pick from, but anything that comes to your mind, like that, that you were like, man, I would never forget this, whatever, you know? Yeah. I, <clears throat> I feel like 
some of the best moments were those times when everything was done and a day was done and we got to sit down and we just got to debrief and have a conversation with either the missionaries or the team um, or the, the nationals and just talk about um, real life stuff um, and, and just hear people's hearts, hear people's thoughts. Um, you know, you think about somebody like, um, you know, Alan, who's now living, you know, in Vegas. Uh, but some of the, like the best conversations I've had um, about Jesus have been with, with somebody like Alan, you know, and, and they didn't happen when we were working necessarily or um, when we were, you know, like doing things that we went down to do like physically, yeah. uh, they were just in the moments when we would drive from one space to another, or we would sit down and, and drink some water together or have a meal together. And I, I think that those moments are the things that I take with me about my experiences down there, man. Um, and, and just, there was a lot that we got done, but ultimately the relationships are what really matter. That's good, man. You know, I have to ask you, when are you coming back? Well, Anne was wanting to come this summer, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously that didn't happen, right? <laughs> yeah. But we'll be, we'll, be down, we'll be down there soon, man. I, I miss everybody. So um, that's good, man. We'll you, have to, you have to make sure you come and there's a lot of changes that, that you are going to love because there's a lot of things, man, that you got to hear the dreams. And now when you come back, you're going to see the reality. Of course. Um, it's great to see, man, God's faithfulness yeah. um, through it all. Um, I want to finish this time, man. Asking you something that I, I ask um, a lot of the people that I invite to these interviews, you know, like um, you've been in ministry for a lot of years now and you have been able to impact the lives of a lot of kids. And bro, you're never going to know the how big of an impact you have made in so many lives. You know, I know that. Uh, you probably hear one testimony here and over there from different kids that you work with in the past, but you will never know. Um, you know, it's one of those things that as pastors, we spread the seed. And one day, God is the one that makes things grow, not, not us, right? But we're just humble to work for his kingdom. Um, with all the things that you know today, in ministry, all the experiences that you have gained. Um, what will be something that you wish you would know 18 years ago when you started this journey? Yeah. Um, I would say I wish I could tell myself you're not as big of a deal as you think you are. Um, <laughs> I think I, that I we think all that, I think we all start in that in that boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I could say that to, to that person. Uh, I think that would have saved him a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and probably a lot of stuff in my marriage that, you know, um, I just wish humility was more of a bigger thing to me then. So, mm. 
Well, brother, thank, thanks for your honesty. Thanks for opening your heart, you know, this, during this time. Um, hey, I gotta, I gotta show you something. So on this uh, um, bookshelf behind me, I got things that are important to me. Like I, just like little, little things. Um, so I wanted, I wanted you to see, check this out, man. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So whenever, whenever somebody comes into my office and they ask about things, you know, I, I make sure to let them know how important you are and your friendship and uh, your country is. So. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate the support, the love that you guys provide to our family, the friendship, you know. Uh, and you know that just like, just like we are in your heart, you are also in my heart, bro. I wore this shirt just for you today. <laughs> and every time that I wear it, I think of you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know my brother-in-laws are from Michigan are not gonna be happy when if they see this interview so I'm gonna make sure they don't see it <laughs> I know well man thanks a lot brother for this time uh, much love and respect for you uh, we love you we love and we love the kids we gotta get together soon um, we're gonna be praying uh, for the reopening of your church whenever it happens. I know that the impact that you guys are doing is great, but I believe the best is yet to come, my friend. I believe the impact is gonna be even greater uh, after this whole thing is over. You know, because during these dark times is when um, the light of Christ gets to shine the brightest, you know? So, I'm glad you are in our team, man. Yeah. I'm glad you are a part of this team uh, of Jesus. So, um, any last comments that you would like to say? Any any last uh, advice, words of wisdom for the people that are listening to this interview? No, I I just uh, I appreciate you, man. And you know, you talk about me, but you know the lives that you've impacted far are far greater than anything I've done. And, you know, I, I miss you guys and I'm grateful for you. And, and I just hope that the young people um, that are listening uh, understand that the importance of the effect that you and the impact that you're having on them. And it's hard sometimes to see that in the moment, but um, I hope they continue to see that and they continue to grow under your care and leadership and, and just vision. So. Thank you, brother. Would you like to pray for us to finish this time? Yeah, I would love to. So let's do that. Uh, God, thank you for all that you're doing uh, globally. And Father, thank you that you bring people together uh, and you build relationships and friendships. Uh, and it doesn't matter like where we are. Uh, we can be... Uh, right next to each other or we can be a plane ride away 
uh, you still move and you still build relationships. So God, I pray for the ministry, Cristo Obano, and I pray that um, you would continue to move and do great things um, in, this, in the city of Santiago, in the country of the Dominican, and the island Hispaniola. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother, and thank you for giving me this time. Thanks, man. Love you, brother. Love you, too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, or you can find me in Spotify and Apple Podcasts as Cristo Urbano The Show. Mm-hmm.